0: You know, I hope Aunt Bella has a boy, don't you? Grandma says it's gonna be a girl, though, and she hasn't missed calling one in years.
1: Man here to see you, sweetheart. Who, me? Do you want to see me? What's your name? Are you addressing me? Yeah, what's your name? Hey, wait a minute. That's my wife you're talking to. What do you mean, coming here? What do you want, anyway? We're looking for somebody. Yeah, well, look your head off. but Don't come
0: busting in here. This isn't a public park. I got news to take a sock at you. Take it easy, son, take it easy. These men are detectives, Mr. Moore. I don't care if they're the whole police department. They can't come busting in here shooting questions at my wife.
1: Now, don't get so excited, Peter. The man just ask you a civil question.
0: Oh, is that so? Say, how many times have I told you to stop butting in when I'm having an argument?
1: Well, you don't have to lose your temper. You don't have to
0: lose your temper. That's what you said the other time, too. Every time I tried to protect you. The other night at the Elks' dance, with that big swede made a pass at you.
1: He didn't make a pass at me. I told you a million times. Oh, no.
0: I saw him. Kept pawing you all over the dance floor. He
1: didn't. You were drunk. Ah, nuts.
0: You're just like your old man. What's a plumber's daughter, always a plumber's daughter. Then an ounce of brains in your whole family. Oh,
1: Peter Warren, you've gone far enough. I won't fear you. Ah, shut up. Now
0: you see what you've done? Sorry, Mr. Warren, but you see, we've got to check up on everybody. We're looking for a girl by the name of Ellen Andrews. You know, the daughter of that big Wall Street mug. Yeah, well, it's too bad you're looking
1: for a plumber's daughter. Quick, baller! Quick, baller! I told you they were a perfectly nice
0: married couple. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And before we get to today's episode talking about very sweet, little funny movie called It Happened One Night. We are going to give you some recommendations for the week.
1: Ian, what do you got for us? Well, I have uh, a Clark Gable pairing. Mm. Uh, so if you wanted to do a, a Clark Gable double feature, I highly recommend doing this other film from 1936. It's called San Francisco. Directed by W.S. Van Dyke, who also directed The Thin Man. And okay, actually, yep. I've in, when reading about it, D.W. Griffith did some uncredited work on on this film. Ooh, a very technically heavy film. And I guess they had some script problems, and um, but San Fr- San Francisco. Uh, the basic plot of it is: there's a Barbary Coast saloon keeper. This is obviously set in San Francisco. Okay. a Barbary Coast saloon keeper and a Knob Hill impresario are rivals for the affections of a beautiful singer, both personally and professionally, in 1906 San Francisco, which doesn't highlight the big that's the the imdb basic plot but it doesn't really highlight the important part of this film which is the last sort of 20 minutes or so which leads to the big one of the biggest earthquakes in american history the one that devastated uh san francisco in 1906 i believe it's april of 1906 so the film starts uh new year's eve uh 1905 clark gable is this you know Cock of the Walk, big man on campus, owner of the saloon. Uh, He plays a guy named Blackie and uh, Blackie Norton. And he's, he's got his uh, his saloon, and he's a, a bit of a rogue. He's got a relationship with a uh, a priest, uh, Father Tim, who's played by Spencer Tracy. Okay, and they, great. And they work wonderfully together. That's one of the big highlights of this film is is their relationship. And I know they would go on to make. They were good friends in real life, and they would make a couple other films together. Another big one was uh, in the early nineteen forties. They made a film with Hedy Lamar called Boomtown. Okay, which is another. If you're anybody's a fan of Clark Gable, seek that one out because that one's great too. Um, this woman comes into Blackie Norton's uh, life. Her name is Mary Blake. She's played by Jeanette MacDonald, who was uh, very famous for her singing voice, absolutely stunning singing voice, and she's this kind of wet behind the ears, uh, big dreams, big ideas, uh, sort of cabaret singer. But she's got aspirations to be an opera singer. I mean, that's the the level that she's operating at. And um, there's uh, the the Nob Hill impresario. He wants. He's played by uh, Jack Holt, the character's name is Burley. He wants her for himself and to have her come and, and play the big opera house that's there in San Francisco, but Clark Gable, who's kind of falling for her, has got her locked into this contract, and so there's a rivalry that happens there with the priest, who is a good childhood friend of, of Blackie's, kind of steering, trying to steer her in the right direction and away from Blackie, because he knows that he is... You know, he may seem like he has the best intentions, but he knows him better because he grew up with him. Um, and there's some some incredible musical numbers in it. I, like I said, her voice is just absolutely stunning, and the end is actually really impressive for a film of its of its era. I mean, it's a film where they had to uh, sort of create the the illusion of this city wide earthquake happening an earthquake of a i didn't i should have done a little more research and found out how big the actual magnitude of the earthquake was but it it was huge devastated the city yeah and the the set work and the the gimbals and all the things that they had to build it's it's pretty impressive and it leads to an ending that gable wasn't quite happy with it's a bit sentimental but i mean it it gets me every single time and this is a film that uh as we go through the course of this episode, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my, my childhood and growing up with my grandma, and this, this episode is kind of a tribute to her, because she gave she really gave me my love of films and, and, and showed me a lot of these early Clark Gable films, because she was head over heels in love with him, and San Francisco is a film that I, I feel we really, really bonded over in the end. Leaves me in tears every single time. If you, oh. if you if you want to see a more sensitive side of I me, say, stick Ian on San Soul Francisco.
0: is not as black as I thought not, it was. Not,
1: not as black. Okay. Certainly not as black as Blackie Norton's. Yeah. But great, great film. It was up for a handful of Academy Awards. It won sound recording. And uh, this was interesting. They Back in the early days of the Academy, they had an award for Best Assistant Director.
0: Yeah, only in the first couple of years, but yeah, yeah they yeah, did.
1: That, that ran up until about 1937. And uh, it was also, this film was also up for uh, Picture, which it lost to The Great Zigfield, And uh, it was up for Director, which it lost to Capra for Mr. Deeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that blows my mind about this is that Jeanette McDonald wasn't nominated, and neither was the song that they wrote for the film, San Francisco. Um, which is crazy because back then, like, best, like most of these categories
0: had like, you could have 12, 15 things nominated. Oh, yeah, tons of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the this song, what I found in, in reading about it is this song that they wrote for this film is still sung on Earthquake Memorial Day in some circles in San Francisco. I thought that was kind of cool that the legacy of this film uh, sort of lives on.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Nice. A little bit sentimental and whatever, but, you know.
0: I, I feel really bad now because my recommend... Um...
1: You're about to shit all over these good sentimental vibes, man. A little bit. The softer side of me. I I open myself up to you, and what are you going to do, man?
0: So I'm wondering if you could guess the movie if I sing a little bit from how the movie opens. Okay, we're going to play a little game. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. His friends would say, stop whining. They've had enough of that. His friends would say, stop pining. There's other girls to look at. No,
1: no, this is not,
0: that's not ringing any bells. Mary, there's just something about Mary. My recommend this week is there's something about Mary. Oh,
1: Mary. Christ. You know, I've still not seen this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh well, that's fun. You know what? I I had a choice a uh, couple months ago. I was I was like, you know, I should probably see another Farrelly Brothers movie other than Dumb and Dumber. Sure. And I, I went with Kingpin over. There's oh, something about Kingpin's Mary. Kingpin's fun too. Though. I think I I think I made the right choice. But we'll see. Tell us about something something about Mary.
0: Well, again, I feel like this has been out forever, and this was a big hit when it came out. But uh, for those of you, it was huge. It, have...
1: it broke Cameron Diaz and and Ben Stiller wide open as far as like household name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um so basically it, it, Ben Stiller is kind of a nerd in high school and uh Mary is moved into the town fairly recently and uh through uh kind of a kind of a happenstance coincidence he, she asks him to the prom and he of course accepts and um he goes to pick her up for the prom date and One thing leads to another and he's uh, forced to zip up his fly very quick to which he gets his cock and balls stuck in the zipper. There's a very funny moment of of them having to get it out with uh, her parents, a police officer and a fireman breaking, coming in to see what's going on. Uh, But basically the movie opens up, he's in a, a psychiatrist's office and he's sort of, he's had a crush on her ever since. And he just started thinking about her the other day. And he basically, um, Gets sort of the will to try to find her again, so he hires a private investigator, Matt Dillon, to go down and track her. Matt Dillon goes down to Miami. There, there, he's in Rhode Island. Matt Dillon goes down to find her, and Cameron Diaz looks like Cameron Diaz. She looks great, um, and Matt Dillon starts to fall for her. But in his in his time, kind of following her, he finds out these things that she likes, and he's going to use that to his advantage. He goes back up to Rhode Island, tells Ben Stiller she's she's big, she has kids. She's not the girl that you think she was. And so uh, Matt Dillon goes back down to court her. But that doesn't stop Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller wants to go see her. So he also goes down there. We find out that one of Ben Stiller's friends um, also had a thing for Mary. And there's another guy down there who already has a thing for Mary. And it's, it sort of becomes this this crazy thing of who's actually going to end up with Cameron Diaz. Um, there's a lot of very funny set pieces, things that happen in the movie uh, Cameron Diaz li- lives next door to this old woman. Um, the woman who plays the landlord in Kingpin is, this, is the old lady in. There's something oh, about Mary. Yeah, and, she, and I think she's in. I think she's in all of their earlier stuff. She must be. Yeah. And there's a scene where uh, uh, Matt Dillon to to fuck with Ben Stiller because he's about to take Cameron Diaz out. Feeds the dog a speed pill. Um, and there's a f- very funny scene where Ben Stiller basically has to fight this dog. Um,
1: I think that was on like all the posters was a dog in like a full body cast. Yes, yeah. yeah, that
0: is your your memory serves correct. Um, it, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that you know in 2020 eyes, not good. I'm sure it's not aged well. Um, two of the things, uh, I would say one of them revolves, uh, uh gay men at a rest stop. the The most questionable thing is that Cameron Diaz has a mentally handicapped brother was played by an actor i don't know his name but he's not mentally handicapped you probably could lose all of the mentally handicapped stuff uh those jokes are not in very good taste um but it ultimately is very sweet um and i think that that ben stiller does a, a really good job of of walking that line between being too much ben stiller but also kind of fun and charming um Sometimes he comes across across as kind of weaselly, and I don't always like to watch him in movies. I I do like him in this, and I think it's because it's not just his movie. It really does – it's spread between the three of them. Um, And it's – again, Cameron Diaz is kind of popping now, uh, but it's – I think this is – I mean, I know The Mask was what really introduced her. I think this is what propels her into, like, Charlie's Angels and Vanilla Sky and Gangs – I mean, before she becomes, like, in everything – this is the movie that really launches her. And, of course, it's very, very famous for the whole um, sperm in the hair thing. Uh, but, it, I'll be, folks, I'll be honest. With last week's episode and re-watching all of the Fincher films, which I know we didn't have to do, but we did, um, I didn't have a whole lot of recommends to give you. So, in the last couple of days, I really had to find time to watch some stuff. And I'd seen this before. So, um, But if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it because you'll, you'll see what the – not just the prototypical, but like what a successful comedy in the '90s was, and and this is certainly one of the top. So there's something about Mary Farrelly Brothers.
1: It's got quite a legacy. It does. Yeah. It
0: does, uh, and I think worth the watch. So there you go. Let's get into talking about the film that that is the first Big Five winner at the Academy Awards. It, it happened. Did, did a lot one of firsts. Night. Yes, it did. Um. So we're coming back to Frank Capra. Uh. We haven't talked about him since It's a Wonderful Life. Um, he directed this movie. He uh, it was written by Robert Riskin, who be, uh, would become a uh, collaborator of his.
1: It frequently said that he was his favorite writer.
0: Yeah. Uh, thing I didn't know is that Robert Riskin was uh, married to Fay Ray. All right. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, this is based it off of a smaller town back then. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, this is based off Samuel Hopkins Adams' short story called Night Bus, which of course was the original title of the um of the movie. So here's our cast: Clark Gable as Peter Warren. Claudette Colbert as Ellen Andrews, Walter Connolly as Alexander Andrews. That's Ellie's millionaire father. Roscoe Carnes plays Oscar Sharpley. Already my unsung hero. You think so? I think I hey, do. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, right, we have Jameson uh, Jameson Thomas as King Wesley. Uh, that's Ellie's fiance. Alan Hale plays uh, the singing car driver who steals their suitcase. Um And then we have uh, I have Charles C. Wilson who plays Joe. That's the newspaper reporter, or the uh, sorry, the editor. And the last one I want to reference, Ward Bond as the oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah guy. Um, Yeah, I mean, whenever we can mention Ward Bond, he's become like the Bos uh, like another Bosley Crowther. If we can mention
1: Ward Bond, we're we're gonna do it. And that is one of the best scenes in the movie. It's so great. It's it's so great. We also have a Capra Capra cameo as one of the people on the second bus singing the uh, Flying Trapeze song. Ah, I didn't know that. Nice, nice. Um,
0: So uh, Frank Capra is in the book a bunch of times. Let me tell you what he's in for. Uh, The Bitter Tea of General Yen, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and our other episode, It's a Wonderful Life. In terms of accolades, I mean, this... Did the thing. It, it, the original clean sweep. Yep. It won picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. Um, the National Board of Review gave it the best film. It was nominated for uh, best foreign film at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, it is currently number 46 on the AFI's top 100. It used to be number 35. Hey, Ian, was this film inducted into the National Film Registry?
1: Yes, it was. And again, a very good year, 1993. I feel like we keep coming back to that one. No, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, it currently sits at number, do we have the same number? 230. Yes, we do. On the IMDb top 250. It has a 98% critical and a 93% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which I, not just because it's a good movie, but also because of the, the legacy left behind. That sounds about right. I can, I think I'm fine with those numbers. Yeah. Um, I know we talk about reviews and these really old movies, um, did you find anything that you wanted I've to... I've got
1: the original part of the original Variety review. Me too. That's that's, that's the pretty same same much like found. the only old review that's up there. I searched high and low for Bosley, but yeah, yeah. couldn't M- find him.
0: Maybe before his time? It may know. have actually
1: been before his time.
0: Yeah. I do... But there are things about it that they say that are... I mean, it's not great writing, but I do... You know, neither Gable nor Colbert seem to do any acting. They just amble joyfully through the picture, being utterly natural and devastatingly human. I love that. And then... Frank Capra's direction is like million-dollar I- million icing on a perfect cake. That's fun. I mean, and it, it's great. I mean, I do really enjoy this fucking movie so much. I,
1: well, I really, I really like the last line of that Variety review. It proves two things. A clean story can be funnier than a dirty one, and the best way to do a bus story is to make them get out and walk. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, the name is kind of a misnomer. It doesn't, in fact, happen one night. It happens over about four nights. Now... let's let's do that now because
0: i get i've heard that too but i don't think they're talking about the whole story i think they're talking about
1: one specific night and i think you'd have to say it's the night that they camp out and with the hay yeah yeah i agree
0: yeah that is that's it happened one night and that's the night it happened i totally agree yeah
1: it's funny i didn't know if we because it could go either way i think you could say either the last night or the night before when they camp yeah yeah Yeah.
0: but i think it i think it's that night because it's uh, we're jumping a little bit. Which
1: when he almost kisses her and he decides not to. That beautiful close-up.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good.
1: Um, but speaking of... Uh, of uh, Before we move away from accolades... Please. Uh, I'm sure you saw in the trivia or, or somewhere in your research that Gable's Oscar has been given back to the Academy back in 1996. Did you see how much Spielberg paid for that? Um, I did, and as a, you might have it before me, so... $600,000. Yeah.
0: Now, that, that that's something... Um, yeah, it's not nothing. But here's the thing: Did you read the other part about Colbert's Oscar?
1: Oh no, okay. I didn't. Well, I know the the, the whole story. She didn't attend because she figured that Betty Davis was gonna was gonna take it. Well, yes, and
0: yeah, so we can talk more about the fact that Claudette Colbert thought this movie was gonna end her career. Uh, but no, so in the I so I saw the piece of trivia about um, uh, Spielberg winning that in auction and giving it back to the the motion picture arts. Yeah, um, the following year. Her Oscar was offered at auction. No bids made.
1: Oh, that's heartbreaking.
0: And, you know, that actually, that's that's some subversive, like, misogynistic horse shit. That actually really bums me out yeah. to hear that. Yeah. That nobody would put a bid. And, like, here's the thing. I wouldn't be able to pay much. If I had a chance to bid on an Oscar that, without breaking the bank, like, I would do it. And a vintage one No of that. bids. Yeah. What the fuck for, for a performance for the first
1: movie that won the big five. Like that's, that's where I was going next. Not, not cast aside the fact that it's a vintage Oscar that it's an, at this point, it's an Oscar that's over 80 years old. Yeah. 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 It can't, that's, it, it's a part of a massive film legacy and, and history. I mean, it is, it is a piece of history. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. Regardless of who, oh, it's not Gable. So I don't want it. Well, fuck you. Yeah, I, that I, I mean, that's a small thing, it, not about the movie itself, but that just that, sucks. It's
0: really disappointing yeah, to hear. That kind of that blows.
1: But we should probably mention. I mean, it's it's pretty famous. But the other three, the other two, to have done the Big Five. Oh sure, yeah, uh, yeah. One flew over the cuckoo's nest and Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Which I still don't know how I feel about the Silence of the Lambs one. <laughs> for for Anthony Hopkins okay, leading say. actor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's in the movie for sixteen minutes. I mean, and that's not even the record. I know the the there's a there's a, a leading actress Oscar that happened when a, an actress was only in a movie for eleven minutes,
0: hmm. uh, for lead. Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. We'll have to circle back to that. Yeah.
0: Um. Do you know what the the film the most recent film to have gotten the closest is? American Beauty. Ah. And what I mean by closest is it one four it didn't win best actress but it was still nominated so yeah it literally had a like a who a, who won actress instead of a hilary swank boys don't cry ooh yeah that's
1: that's a tough break yeah
0: I think in any other year, I think yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think that Benning wins her her first Oscar, and yeah. uh, they, that, that's the that's the most recent clean sweep. But right, and there's been plenty of films nominated for all of them, but in terms of being that close, that was the last time yeah. that happened.
1: Yeah, um, it's pretty hard to argue with Boys Don't Cry, though.
0: I know she's really good in that movie. That's a fucking tough movie to watch. Um, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about this movie, <laughs> which is which is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I I do. I mean, I just I can't. It's I guess maybe because. I, I enjoyed this movie so much. It's hard to read that uh, Claudette Colbert actually said at one point, I just finished the worst picture in the world.
1: Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. Well, and she had a predisposition to, to cap anyway, cause they his Yeah. Early on. Yeah. One of her first films. If I, I think her first film was also his first film. And so she, and it, it absolutely tanked. And she said, I'm never going to, I'm never going to work with him again.
0: Yeah. Um, there was something about Cap, so I watched part of the one of the documentaries on the Criterion Collection, um, and uh, I guess it's so funny because you know Capra, you know, started out doing some some short films and and stuff, and and you know his career was going in the right way. Um, I I haven't seen the Bitter Tea of General Yen, but that that was really him going for the Oscar that year.
1: Did you watch the the Capra documentary that was on? The Frank Capra's American Dream. Yeah, not all of it. I, I wanted to get up into this. Yeah. Um. So did, did you? Yeah. No. I watched the whole thing that the on the Criterion. The only things I didn't watch were his short film that's on there. I didn't watch it either. And the the AFI trivia, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. I, I plan on watching that. But I love the conversation that happens in the the. I think the the feature is called First Screwball Comedy. Question. Yeah. Right? With the, 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 the conversation between Molly Haskell and uh, Philip Lepe's, that. That's one of the better features that I've seen on a Criterion disc. Yeah. I, I, on, you know, the legacy that they have of great supplemental features, that's up there for me, their, conver- their conversation.
0: Nice, yeah. But I was just going to say, you know, Capra's at a point in his career where he, he's go, he tries for the Oscar and fails. Um, a lot of people say it was due to the fact that it was the Depression and people weren't wanting to go see that kind of an intense movie follows it up with uh with with this
1: and then you know now he's reached the pinnacle and i, I, well, I did and well it didn't happen at first it took some it took a while it was like a second well, for run the, sort yes of for like, the movie to catch on word of mouth yeah yeah, yeah
0: yeah um but then like i i just i thought it was interesting. like he he changed the the change he changed the ending to the movie called broadway bill where it's a horse-based movie and the horse dies and um audiences had a hard time reacting to that and he had sort of he had a nervous breakdown and he had to take some time but then check out this run he goes on after that the next four movies mr deeds goes to town lost horizon you can't take it with you mr smith goes to washington
1: of those the one that interests me the most is actually one that isn't in the book lost horizon yeah I, which is one I've, i i only know a little bit of but yeah i but they they make a pretty compelling argument in the Frank Capra's American dream documentary for that being his best film. Oh really? Especially, um, not Walter Murch. What is his name? The, the, the guy that wrote apocalypse now, John Milius. John Milius. Yes. He, he makes a really compelling argument for it being his best film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I, before we go too far, I just, I just wanted
0: to throw that out there. Cause I, I thought it was interesting. Cause I, I didn't realize how high a bar that really set for him in his own kind of, in his life. And yeah. So, uh, Let's let's talk about this movie. Um, we don't have to go beat for beat. I I just I I think I I feel like we already have very set thoughts on this movie, so I, I'd rather just you know talk about the moments that really struck us, that really like stuck with us. Um, I I'll start with one that happens early on. I love that she
1: just fucking jumps in the water. Yeah, that's great. Well, I fuck I, you, Dad. I, <laughs> right right away. I mean, you've said the. That- Claudette Kelbauer said that this is the worst movie in the world. She just finished working on, on the worst movie. And you can kind of tell that she's not invested. I don't, And I have no idea if they shot this thing chronologically or not or sure. in what order they went. But I, they also had to shoot it very quickly because she was very adamant that she's going on vacation in four weeks and yeah. so we better be done. And you can kind of, at the beginning of the movie, you can kind of tell that. In the in well, in fact, I would say that in almost any of the scenes without Gable, you can tell that she doesn't want to be there. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, that she's kind of phoning it in a little bit. That 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 early scene before she jumps off the deck with yeah. her Dad, it's a little uh eh, it's all right. You could have milked a little bit more out of that. That's I true. Think. I would agree. Uh, and some of the some of the stuff with uh some of the stuff with with uh, Shapley as well. Mm-hmm. You can tell. I, there's just this certain. There's a couple of moments where I could just if. And again, I'm no acting critic, but there's just felt like it was, there's something missing in her performance. Well, I mean, I agree. And, and I've, you know, I
0: equate this to something I heard about tennis, which is that you only get better at tennis by playing people who are better than you. You, know, you can say that about anything, but when I first heard that quote, it was about tennis. And I think it's the same thing with acting. You know, I know that. I, I thrive off of working with people who push me or even, you know, working with people whose reputations precede them, you know, which in the theater world and in my world, I'm not working with A-list celebrities. But when I get to work with somebody who I, I know their work, I've seen their work, I'm like, oh, great. It, it, there is there is a certain energy that comes from that. Like it, it feeds it, it pushes me to do my best. Well,
1: exactly. It challenge you, challenges you to at least rise to, to the occasion yeah. and to try and, and meet them. Yeah. You know and I, mean? and, and, and I, I feel like that as soon as her and Gable start batting that ball back and forth, especially in the scene in the first hotel Yeah, where they have to put on their little song and dance for the detectives who have tracked them there. And oh, my yelling. God.
0: That, okay, it's tough for me to pick my favorite moment in the movie. That's in the top two. That Definitely. When,
1: when they're play acting for the detectives, it is so goddamn funny. And the line from the hotel owner as they walk, I told you they were a nice married couple. That's, yeah. That's... One but of the best lines in the movie, and it's
0: funny too because it comes back to the, um, oh god, they they referenced something they were just talking about, and I, I'm not, I'm never gonna remember it. But like they were, they were having a conversation before, and then she, something gets brought up of like they bring in they bring in something they had just mentioned into the conversation, like as a part of their like bickering uh,
1: married couple thing. It's so great. It's oh, is it the he's talking about being an expert with the dunking the. I don't think the that was it in the coffee.
0: I don't know if that was it, No, but it, it was all oh,
1: the plumber plumber. That's the plumber's what it was daughter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh go.
0: fuck. It was so great. Yeah. It was so funny. Um, and it's one of those things where we we, we've seen them kind of go back and forth a little bit, but to see her jump into it with him, it's one of those great things where it's like, we get to see her like be kind of be her own person, not just fall into this, you know, you know who she is for her dad or who she is around King Wesley, but like to kind of see her be pushed and become this, this person that she, I think she really wants to be. I think that's great.
1: Well, it it, character wise, it is one of the reasons I appreciate this film. She isn't just a foil or a damsel in distress as, is so many female performances or female characters from this era. She does feel like a fully rounded human being with, with motivations and, and wants and, and, you know, failings and, when when she does give herself, I think the point I was trying to get to is when she does give herself to the performance, It's it, there's, she and Gabe will create something that is really palpable and electric and, and magic.
0: Yeah. And I I don't want to, I want to get to this, and I realize that maybe it's one of the most iconic parts of the movie, but it's when, it's when he goes through the hitchhiking stuff. He goes through, you know, the different thumbs being the different things, and all the cars go by and he can't hail it, and then she shows her leg and the car halts to a stop we can talk about that in a second, but it's her grin when they cut to the car and it's like, part of me goes like, that's the character, but I feel like that's also her. I think oh, that's, yeah. that's her just like taking joy and like, I'm making this movie
1: now. Exactly. Like I get to, I get to one up you.
0: Yeah. And I, I you know, again, I, I just, I go back to like, it's hard to believe that she thought this was bad. I'm hoping that, cause I've been in, I've been in part, a part of plays that I, I'm like, this isn't good, but I've had, but like, I had fun doing them. I can I can take a step back and go, that's shit. What we're doing is not good, but it doesn't mean that the process was bad. It doesn't mean that I didn't have fun. And I'm, I really hope she had fun.
1: Well, I, I've <laughs> seen that. I've been I've been picking up on that. I think a lot more in movies lately. Something like uh, Knives Out, which I know a lot of people love. Knives Out didn't. If I'm honest, I do. I will rewatch it. But first viewing didn't do much for me. And I'm looking at this thing going, the people up there on screen are having way more fun than I am watching this. Sure. Thing. And that kind of shouldn't be. <laughs> but this, th- this does genuinely look like it was a fun film to make, even mm-hmm. if they were under the gun. And, okay. Th- okay. And. Well, and the fact that she got 50 grand. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, which, so you said had fun making it. Did you think at all about bringing up baby watching this movie? I did. Okay, me too.
1: I did because um, when they when they talk about screwball comedies, I mean that's this gets lumped. They get lumped in together as the the originators of the screwball comedy, along with Marx Brothers stuff. And yeah. Of course, we did a Marx Brothers episode.
0: Now let's, let's 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 take a brief tangent to talk about that. Do
1: you think this is a screwball comedy? I don't. I don't either. I don't because and and that's something that those those two critics in yeah. that criterion supplement they talk about it. it's like this it really shouldn't be because there's the I think the one they compare it to is the one that they think is the actual originator was the Howard Hawks film 20th century because the when when you have screwball comedies I think it's mel brooks is the 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 greatest screwball comedy writer of all time, and with that you you have to consider the physicality of those films, yeah, and the physicality that he got out of people like Gene Wilder mm-hmm. and uh, and Cloris Leachman and yeah. things like that, yeah, like Young Frankenstein and and the producers and things like that, and and if you consider that those are the parameters for a screwball comedy, they're just they're not in this,
0: yeah, it's yeah, it, there's a physicality and a
1: a very nonsensical nature to them, right, you know, and and, and some of the dialogue in this has its nonsensical moments, but it's, it's, but only, it's nothing that's but I feel like nothing it, that's way out of left field. I mean and I don't I feel like
0: whenever it, it seems that way, it's either I feel like a lot of times it's it's um, Clark Gable kind of trying to show off, you know, he's trying to be the cock of the walk. He's trying to you know be this I know I know the world because I'm a, you know I'm not spoiled like you. I've been out there. I've been living. Um, or it's it's like the play acting stuff that they do. Well, that's that's really the only screwball moment for me. Yeah, and 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 that's and again, I, it doesn't feel screwbally to me because of the circumstances. They if they don't do that, that maybe they get found out, you know. And they're putting on a show; they're they're not being themselves. Whereas in something like Bringing Up Baby, we're watching those characters as they're written. We're watching those people be the people they are in that world. And 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 and, and I don't again. I like. I mean, this is totally different, you know. But like bringing up baby, I don't like Mel Brooks. I haven't seen all of it, but like *Blades and Saddles*, *Young Frankenstein*, I I really enjoy those movies. So, and maybe so maybe it's the fact it's a like a, a screwball romantic comedy that doesn't totally do it for me. I I don't know because I it's I it's hard for me to call bringing up baby a romantic comedy because again that doesn't jive with me. Whereas with *It Happened One Night*. This to me is the definition of a romantic comedy,
1: and I've also seen it called a sex comedy without any of the sex.
0: Sure, yeah, I mean you got to keep those walls of Jericho up.
1: That's right, man. But that's that's why this film succeeds—is it's it's the sexual tension. Oh,
0: absolutely. But it, and it's funny though because I I feel that at times, but like in that first that first um, motel scene, that's I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. They turn off the lights and you can just see them through the moonlight and. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Pining for each other.
1: So what, what I what I wanted to come around to is, you know, the actor that plays Shapley has a makes a pretty good case for being my unsung hero. But I think in actuality, it's Joseph Walker. That's, as, that's as mine. That's mine. Because what so what I did with this one. So we did our Marx Brothers episode, and we did bringing up Baby, and we've also done you know some older like Maltese Falcon. And mm-hmm. when we're doing those, it's a little hard to kind of like keep up. If you want to make a note of a certain piece of dialogue and then, you know, make sure you're still paying attention. All that I found that a little difficult. So on this one, I went, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to just notate sort of stuff that I see. And then I'll come back around and I'll look up some of the, di- I'll make a quick note of a moment where there's dialogue that I like, and I'll go back and I'll find the scene yeah. and grab the dialogue wholesale and pick apart the bits that I like. So in doing that, it allowed, it allowed me to just look at the film from a more visual standpoint. Sure. And the lighting in this film is tremendous. It's really good. And and it's also something, again, they come back to that featurette. It's something that they made sure to highlight as well. It's a thing that doesn't get talked about when people talk about this film. Yeah. They talk about Gable and Colbert and Capra and the dialogue and the the plot. They don't talk about how beautiful the lighting is, the glimmer of the twilight on their eyes and the, the downpour of the rain. I think one of the best looking things is that when they cross that little creek at night. Yeah. And he takes off his shoes and his socks, and he throws her over his his shoulder. Of course, we have a, a very sexist moment in that. But I... oh,
0: and and um, Stella watched about the last half of this movie with us, and she wanted to mention um, my my five year old. Uh, she could not stop laughing at the fact that this man spanked this adult woman. She thought it was very funny. I mean, I, I... She's five. I was going to put that out there, but she she laughed. And, and and in the car today, she made sure to say. You better mention this in the podcast. I'm like, so I mentioned it in the podcast that Stella thought there that go. was funny. Yeah. I don't think she gets the history of why that might not be, but I'm going to let her have her opinion, because why not?
1: She's mm-hmm. also not wrong. That <laughs> is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's very random. Like He yeah. when, he asked her to hold something, right? Well, it's because they're having the piggyback debate. <laughs> yes, yes. And she's, she's like, oh, I've never, I've never had a piggyback. She's talking about you know, him giving a good piggyback ride. He's like, this is not a piggyback ride.
0: Which to be fair, that's not a piggyback ride. It's not, it's like a fireman carrier. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And they're going back and forth and like the men in your life don't know how to give piggyback rides. And in order to shut her off, he's like, here, hold this. She gets it. She, Gets her to hold the suitcase, slaps her ass, and then takes the suitcase back Yeah, off her. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any malice in it. No, I don't either. Not I don't in the either. sense, the, 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 the tropes of a lot of these films with the threat of actual domestic violence. Yes,
0: nor... Yeah, or, you know, looking at this movie, you know, again, so far into the future... I you know, we're we're seeing it differently, but right. I also love like the line the, about. I mean,
1: the dad full on like slaps her at the beginning of the yes, movie, and that, then Gable says that you know she'd be she should be socked in the face once a day, whether she's deserving of it or not. Yeah, oh, that's
0: uh, it's not great. I did like the line about Abraham Lincoln being a natural piggybacker. but that was fun. <laughs>
1: Did you miss that? No, I didn't miss oh. that. It's just it's one of those things where I kind of like dismiss it. I'm like, how the fuck would you know?
0: No, no, I, I that, that's why I thought it was funny. Yeah, I do like yeah. non sequitur stuff like that. Like yeah.
1: that that what what? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I guess he was tall. I guess that might help. I don't know.
1: And I think some of the that's why people make the argument for this also being a screw screwball comedy is some of that dialogue and yeah. of course the shapely character as well and the scene that I, you know what actually my favorite scene. Is Gable trying to ward off Shapley? That's he, pretty funny. When when Shapley is figured out, they're on the bus and there's this this. I'll read a bit of his dialogue. his his dialogue when you first meet him. He's like. Colbert doesn't want to sit with Gable anymore, so she goes and sits with this random guy, and he says, you know, there's nothing I like better than to meet a high-class mama that can snap him back at you, because the colder they are, the hotter they get. That's yeah. what I always say. Yes, sir, when a cold mama gets hot, boy, how she sizzles. Now, you're just my type. Believe me, sister, I could go for you in a big way. Fun on the side, shapely, they call me. Oh, I forgot that class with a capital K. That's right. <laughs> But so the scene when he figures out who she is and there's a huge reward for her and and Gable's onto him being onto them and he takes him out into the woods when the bus is stopped at like a rest stop or something like that. And he makes up the story about kidnapping her. Yeah. That is, I think, my favorite scene in the movie. That's pretty good. too. And then, you know, once he's warded shapely off and he's gone running into the woods when he spits after him and spits onto his own shoulder. I just love that little, you know, because Gable has been playing this whole film like he's cool, you know, he's stood up to his editor yep. and he's, you know, he'll he'll rail against the system and he'll stick it to the rich, the high class, with his yeah. Ellie Broad. And then he just goes and spits on his own shoulder like an idiot.
0: But we get that early on. We get that he's a fake when that hangs up on him and he looks behind him and he's like, oh, you change your tune, huh? And, you know, he's clearly talking to nobody right. for the for the show of the people behind him.
1: Yeah, but, it, but for me, it's it's kind of, it, it changes his character a little bit because he's able to keep this, you know, he, he keeps this facade that he's cool as a cucumber to everybody else. But he, he can't fool himself. He's still a, you know, yeah. he's still a putz like the rest of them, yeah. spitting on his own shoulder like that.
0: <laughs> um, You mentioned that the reward. Do you know how much $10,000 is worth nowadays? Go. Cool. on. About $195,000. All right. So. That's some good money. That is some good money. Yeah. I thought you'd like to know that. I don't know. I I was like, hmm, I wonder how much that's that'll, worth that'll now."
1: That'll keep uh, Mr. Shapley in shirts and socks for <laughs> for quite a while if he were
0: to turn them in. Um What did what did you think of the the mom and the son on the bus after the uh,
1: the accident? That that for me is like this is the beginning of the sentimental Capra right it's one of those things where I, it's the one thing
0: I'd pull out wholesale well and I think and I wonder too how much this was written in because in a weird way you know the how the bitter tea of general yen sort of missed out on the audience at large who is was you know a few years into the depression now how much this might this probably struck a chord more you know and we because we're getting we're getting the class disparity between um Ellie and Peter, you know, and not that we don't know what Peter's real situation is, but Ellie's loaded. We get that. We get that she comes from money. Um, but then to see the difference between, you know, this mother and son, it's tender and I get it. And I, and I, I see why it's in there for maybe not for the purposes of the story. I mean, clearly well, it's they in end their- up.
1: It's in there to make them penniless, so yes, they've got to. Because They give the money away to the kids.
0: Well, and and it's funny, she does, and I think again that, it's that idea of like money is no object to her. Here, take it. That's fine. And then, well, yeah, he has the whole
1: line of. You, you've got a dollar sixty. I'm. I'm. You know, you're on a budget now. How do you yeah. expect to get to New York on a dollar sixty? Yeah. By the way, did you catch that at the rest stop? The ten cent hamburgers and hot dogs. I did not. There you go. That's how much a hamburger and hot dog cost back in uh, 1934. Ten mm. cents.
0: Ten whole cents. Nice. Nice. I got a dime in my car. It's not going to give me jack shit now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll just they'll laugh at me. Um yeah, it's funny. I realized at one point um and it was definitely after they uh, the guy takes off in the um with their with their suitcase. Uh at one point I realized like I hadn't taken any notes for a while because I just I was just watching the movie. I, I kind of forgot that I was supposed to be taking notes. And that's the thing about this movie is it's so subtly enrapturing. Like I just found myself really, really into wanting them to get together. And this is the second time I've seen it. So I, I know what happens, but I'm re- <laughs> so the dork. I really am rooting for them. I really want them to realize that they actually like each other. I think it's just a testament to the, the, so the chemi- storytelling. So yeah. their chemistry. Yeah. But and just like that whole scene with the hay. Like I I didn't take a single note. I just, that's how much I was into yeah, no, watching no. that.
1: you're really pulled into that. And they're, they're, like I said, they're the sexual tension. And I think we haven't really talked about Gable all that much so far in the episode. But I think he was one of those guys that when people talk about him, they don't talk about how he was able to elevate people around i know you have your feelings about gone with the wind yeah but any scene that he's in is automatically better because he's in it and i feel like he helped raise the performance of, of vivian lee well and, I'll, and I'll,
0: I'll i'm gonna be honest i've seen this movie once i saw this movie at least 10 years ago i don't remember it very well at all it, it obviously de- it demands a rewatch it, its status and film history um so i'm not gonna i, I don't know sure
1: but i i, I can't well, in the same in the movie that I recommended at the the top of this episode, the 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 sparring, the actual physical and and figurative sparring that he does with Spencer Tracy is fantastic. Okay, he he was really one of the original movie stars.
0: Yeah, well, and it it seems like he didn't get to do well, and you might know more than me, but it seems like he didn't get to do a whole lot of movies like this. And I
1: liked seeing this kind well, of that was kind of of his own choosing. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't want to do this movie. Like Claudette Colbert, he didn't want to do this movie either, but he was lent out I by he, Louis on, B. Mayer.
0: So ha, it's so weird to say that he was on loan, which just is like, what a weird thing to say about a person. Yeah. But there you go.
1: That's uh, how contracts work,
0: yeah. I guess. but back in the day, God, like actors yeah. had no rights back then. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So did you officially change your unsung hero to um, Joseph yeah, Walker? I, I, yeah, I'm going to say so. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, as much Shapley's like my runner-up, just sure. because I just how ridiculous that character is. Yeah, and just, it, he kind of comes out of nowhere, and I guess you could make an argument if you wanted to keep pushing: is this a screwball comedy or not? I guess the the inclusion of his character could help you argue that way, based on some of his dialogue and his sort of over-the-top nature. Yeah, because um, there aren't too many characters in this film that that feel over-the-top; they all feel yeah pretty genuine. Yeah, and I really love the the editor. And the, the the one real the, the editor has a moment where he kind of blows up a little bit and he's having that back and forth with his secretary yeah. call me a doctor because I think I'm having a, a nervous breakdown or whatever as what? they're trying to build the story well, and to
0: be fair you know he's just you know hurt he's got the scoop or whatever and then like all of a sudden to hear no no she's actually doing this like he's probably freaking out yeah. you know like you know, am I holding the daily press or not or what am I, what am I doing what, yeah. what's going on
1: but there's a real tender moment after everything has gone south and she's now back with with Wesley and you know he puts the money back in—not well, all of it, obviously—but he puts some money in in Clark Gable's pocket and says, "You know, come come back when you sober up." He's I'm, like, he knows. the I'm glad you mentioned that moment. Yeah, I, it's a really tender moment. It is. It really is. Yeah. Um. And and I do. And I really. It's not.
0: It's more funny. But I do really like when um. Uh, her dad is walking her down the aisle, and he's like, he's "Like, you don't have to do this, you know. The car's parked in the back if you want to." take off and that this is where we get the first like runaway bride that's why
1: i I brought up mel brooks earlier because that's the end of Spaceballs. i've never seen Spaceballs. oh you haven't seen yeah it's got a a kind of similar thing where you know the 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 rich daughter it's pretty much like it's it's it happened one night but by way of star wars that's funny and so uh yeah at the end where she's come back after running away and they're walking down the aisle and you know, he, there's a the whole similar bit about dialogue, how she thinks, oh, no, he's just, you know, the Lone Star character played by Bill Pullman in that movie. Is, yeah. You know, she thinks that he's just gotten his reward and then buggered off where he's like, no, 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 he, he just wanted whatever amount of money for, for food, parts and gas. Yeah. And so that makes her change her mind, like like what happens in this movie where he, she figures out that, oh, no, he only he kept track of his... I love that, the pettiness of that. Yeah. The, the keeping track of all of his expenses it comes out to 30. All he wanted was 3960. Not well, and there's grand. something,
0: there's some, there's two things about that where It's, it's practical, but it makes sense because you got to feel like a, a reporter who's on the road like that probably would keep track of, ex, generally would keep track of expenses in yeah. that way. But there's also something like you, that's how stubborn he is. Like, like to just to do that specifically and bring it to the dad. It's like, He's trying to make a point, but in a very like I'm a ten-year-old child kind of way. Like, well, I'm gonna make my point, hmm. yeah. yeah, which is great, it, and it adds it adds to the way that they just can't admit the way that they really feel. Like
1: I, he, I feel like he's earned it though, because the, yeah. oh no, I agree. There is a really when we like with the editor, really tender moments where you know they they have their last walls of Jericho scene, which, which we should probably explain that at some point to anybody <laughs> who's not familiar with the movie. Sure, we'll do that in a minute. But where she comes around the wall. And, you know, he's told the story about how, um, you know, she asked him if he'd ever been in love. And um, he's like, yeah, I I ever thought about it. Yeah, I've been sucker enough to make plans. You know, I saw an island in the Pacific once and I've never been able to forget it. That's where I'd like to take her. He's talking about the girl that he would fall in love with. Yeah, She'd have to be a sort of girl who, well, who'd jump in the surf with me and love it as much as I did. And when she comes around and she's she's crying and then he rejects her. And she goes back, and then he thinks about it for a moment. Hey, hey, brat, would you actually go? And she's asleep. Yeah, that's yeah. that's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Um. So the first night they have to stay together after the bus crash, they go to this, they uh, motels. What were they called? The um the motor park. Yeah. And uh, they're
1: like little little cabins. Yeah.
0: And uh, they to get a room at that rate, they basically have to pretend to be a married couple, um. And you know just the way people view things back then so they, they he has this uh, rope that he ties through the middle of the room and he puts a blanket over it they lovingly refer to it as the walls of Jericho and um, it's going to separate them so they can't see each other while they're sleeping and it's kind of making the best of a bad situation in a, and his in of,
1: his undressing scene where she refuses to, to go around the other side yeah. he's like alright you're in for it and he starts he undressing he explains, explains the way it's like the, the man's undressing routine
0: although would you take your pants off over your shoes no No, I can't say I've ever done that. (laughs) I mean, I have tried, like, if I'm wearing, like, athletic pants and, like, athletic shorts underneath, I will do that. But, like, normal, like, slacks or jeans... No.
1: That sounds like it's going to be a little difficult. Why?
0: Yeah, that seems annoying as all hell. Anyways, I just thought it was a funny, weird thing to I've say. i got
1: that bit of dialogue, too. Perhaps you're interested in how a man undresses. You know, it's a funny thing about that. Quite a study in psychology. No <laughs> two one? men do it alike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I knew a man once who kept his hat on until he was completely undressed. Yeah, he made a picture. Years later, his secret came out. He wore a toupee.
0: And then... And the... A testament to the writing too. This is just a very good, fun script. Yeah. I mean, I
1: mean, yeah. there's a reason he works with uh, Riskin so many times. Yeah.
0: And I feel like again too, as compared to like a, a Marx Brothers comedy, which the jokes are firing off at rapid pace, which isn't necessarily bad. But like, you get to hear all of the jokes. You you get to live in those moments. You don't. I don't feel like you miss anything, which is great because. Yeah, they're
1: not- Expendable. you feel like there's. Don't don't worry if you miss this one because there'll be another one along any second. Yeah. Now, which is kind of the Marx Brothers tit for tat yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. But but and, they, which I feel like it makes it it makes it more special in something like this. Yeah yeah I
0: agree I agree and you know you get it early on with with the oh yeah and the and you know you know well, that's you know that's really good and when it gets to the last one it's like oh you got me Oh yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know it's great and you get to hear all of it because there's there's reaction time in between you know and. You know, you get it too when she she falls in his lap and he's like oh I have that hold on um what does she say yeah, nice you next, to... yeah next time you drop in bring your folks yeah
1: there's another good bit of dialogue before that as well where he talks about sitting on newspapers once and getting the ink on the back of his yeah. trousers and people following him around trying to read the headlines yeah yeah
0: I mean we agree on a lot of things I mean we we agree um, the mother and son moment you know that was kind of kind of seems like it was thrown in there we agreed a on forced yeah on um. Uh, our our unsung hero being the cinematographer, which is great.
1: And I think we both agree that the the shot of them in the hay together, their faces inches apart as he doesn't kiss her, is one of the best shots in the film. I don't. Do you have that, a better shot? That,
0: than that? And, no, that and um, seeing both of them in the moonlight in the yep. first hotel scene or motor park scene or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, yeah, th- I mean those are great. Those are g- both great shots. Do you have a favorite line of dialogue? I mean, God damn, there are there are really so many good. Good pieces of dialogue in here. I think I, I, as as they go, because there are so many like great like longer lines. I love when she says, "Your ego is absolutely colossal." That's a good one. <laughs>
1: I think I, I, really I think mine is, is the one I brought up earlier. Is after their fake argument in front of the detectives when they they go off and uh, Mr. Dykes, the guy that runs the that yeah motor, motor home place. It, I told you they were a perfectly nice married couple. Oh, there is one there is one thing. Do it that I didn't bring up during the awards section. Do you dig on Eastwood's Changeling? We've mentioned this movie once or twice in some other episodes. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a moment in that I had to I had to look it up. I was like, it happened one night. I've heard that that movie referenced in another period. Film and it's uh, at the end of of Changeling after her kid's been missing for a while and and she's starting to rebuild her life. There's a great little scene where Angelina Jolie as that that character she's quietly celebrating the fact that it happened one night one and she wins like two bucks because she bet on it to win Best Picture and nobody else thinks it's gonna win because they all think it's gonna go to Demille's Cleopatra. It's yeah. funny that Colbert was actually was in that as well.
0: Yeah. I- I it's been a long time. I, I think I've only seen Changeling once,
1: and it, it made it made me wonder. It's it's kind of they made it look to be like the underdog, and it sounds like it really was like this was a a real underdog story back in the day for this film to kind of come out quietly and then to slowly build the word of mouth and then to just clean sweep like that.
0: And I I, I really do. Th- I mean, and it's not like comedies were winning left and right. I mean, Grand Hotel was kind of a comedy that came out right around this time, but. I, it, You know, it's one of those things where it seemed like the right movie to win for the time. You know,
1: it, it, and it seemed like the type of movie that people needed. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, and when you're in the right in the smack in the middle of the depression. Yeah.
0: And, and not that it didn't deserve it, but it, it, it was one of the you know, the timing was right. The film was good. All, all of the things really came together at the right time for for this to win all the awards it did.
1: And it's a a shame that they couldn't see that while they were making it, but I don't know. Maybe that would have spoiled it. Maybe, maybe maybe it's right that they approached it in the way, ah, it's just another quick little B picture and then we'll move on to the next. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and, you know, it's that extra that, you know, by having Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert in a movie and having Frank Capra be behind it, who was definitely, you know, way beyond making his bones and he was becoming well established at this time. One of the two or three highest paid directors at the time, um, the the everything was really working in this movie's favor, and yeah, like you said, maybe they didn't see it at the time, but you know, history has definitely proven that this movie is good and and holds up really well upon rewatch. I mean,
1: and cemented Columbia as a as a powerhouse studio.
0: Oh, yeah, which was very fledgling and a, a no name at the time. Uh, they called it a poverty row. Yes, that's right. That's right. Studio. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I think we know this, but Ian, does
1: it happen one night? deserve to be in the book. I uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I I agree. And I if, totally agree.
1: And I, if this wasn't in the book and bringing up baby was, that would be one of those cases where like that's got to come out and yeah. this has got to go in. But. Yeah.
0: I mean, to be fair, bringing up baby should just come out anyway. It should. But uh but yeah, it, it's it's and it's one, of, you know, again, there's movies like this that I feel like, you know, they're in the book because of their historical significance in, in terms of film, but it's also in the book because it's just a good movie. Yeah. You know, and that's great. Definitely. Like, there are some, you know, I, is Russian Ark still in the book? Do you know? I believe so. And, like, Russian Ark is not a good movie. It's 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 something because it's all one shot and it's got a great production design, but, like, a one-shot great production design movie doesn't mean it should be in the book. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah. there's just, there's certain movies that shouldn't be in the book Based off of their their meritorious achievement, you know, it should be because it's a great movie.
1: Well, I'm glad you're bringing this up now because this is a debate that we're gonna get in in our next episode. Ooh,
0: what a great teaser! But we're not there yet. Um, but of course we always want to know what you think. So please find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Let us know what you think of it happened one night. Does this stand in like the pantheon of great romantic comedies? Is it a screwball comedy? Do you, do you disagree with us? Um, we'd love to hear it from you. So find us and, and, and you know, we, we enjoy the interaction. You can support the show at Patreon.com/slash/one slash a thousand one by one. You can find us on Spotify and Google play and Apple podcasts and stitcher and all those great, great places. And as Ian teased, we're going to be talking about a very recent film. Um, we haven't done a really recent film in a while.
1: I think Victoria. Yeah, that yeah, that's, and, and I, Daniel
0: Blake, were the yeah, were both going, newish. Going way, way back. Uh, but but we're gonna we're gonna do a little sci-fi adventure for you, and we're gonna see how we feel about that. But until then, I am Adam, and I am Ian. and we will see you next week.